This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Let's talk about one of the hottest stories in our province right now, and that's the Coastal Gas Link natural gas pipeline in northern British Columbia. Now, this is the pipeline that would pump natural gas to the proposed Canada LNG mega project and its terminal there in Kitimat. This is a very important project to the John Horgan government here provincially. is also supported by the federal government. This pipeline has passed all the approvals. It's got all the permits. Uh, the company's been trying to put the pipe in the ground. As you likely know, uh, work being blocked by the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation in northern BC. Five hereditary chiefs there uh, trying to block this pipeline. They're getting a lot of support from environmental groups. Let's get the other side of this now because I don't think the other side often gets enough attention. And those are the First Nations, the indigenous leaders in our province who support this project, who want to see jobs and investment in their communities. Let me introduce you now to Chris Sankey. He's a former band counselor with the Lax Qualam First Nation and Prince Rupert. I'm very pleased to welcome him. Hi, Chris. Hi, uh, thank you so much, Mike. Pleasure to have you. You're Thanks on. a lot, Chris, for coming on. Tell me uh, what you think about this uh, this pipeline, this natural gas pipeline. Do you support that project? I do. I, I, I mean, it's going to give significant benefits back to the First Nations that have signed on. Um, I think that uh, it's clearly showing what it's done for a lot of the nations along the route, providing jobs and opportunity, and more importantly, it's it's uh, demonstrating that you could have your own sole source revenue and you could put those revenues back to good use for social social programs, housing, infrastructure, education, health. Uh, it just right. could be used for a number of things that could help benefit the communities and help many of the communities that are struggling uh to to i guess uh set a different path for their communities to pro- path to prosperity i think this is a good thing when when you talk we we often hear chris that the company involved here has negotiated benefit sharing agreements with all 20 of the first nations along that pipeline route that represents about 13,000 indigenous people by the way in in your experience do most people, do most Indigenous people and First Nations people in that in that pipeline corridor, do they support this project? Do they want to see that pipe go in the ground and they can get some of the benefits from it? Yeah, look, in speaking with uh, some represent- representatives uh, from some of these communities that signed the benefits agreement, they they think it's going to help significantly uh, their communities get out of poverty or deal with social issues such as uh, drugs and alcohol, um, traumatic experiences from, unfortunately, the residential school effect. These are all dollars that they could put towards the help with those social um, challenges that we have faced uh, yeah. for a very long, long time. I think it's very beneficial. I know in our experiences, when we were uh, in the past negotiating with P&W LNG, the benefit agreements that could have come back to the community was significant. In fact, it was a $2.3 billion IBA agreement would have transformed our community for the greater good. Okay, what about the environment? Like, there's a lot of environmental groups that support the Wet'suwet'en uh, hereditary chiefs, as you know, Chris, and they say, look, I mean, we're facing a climate emergency on our planet. we got to stop developing oil and gas if we're going to do anything about it, and so that's why they want this pipeline shut down. What do you say about kind of the environmental impact of these projects? 
Look, I I would hope that nobody wakes up in the morning and says, how can we destroy the planet? That's that's not the case. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of work put into understanding the impacts of uh, these development projects. And one of the first things that First Nations want to make sure they get a handle on is what is the pollution? What is the impacts, uh, both pros and cons? All that stuff is in the beginning of every negotiation. In fact, uh, in our experience, the only way we would engage is making sure that the first and foremost, the topic of discussion was the environment. Yeah. So, I, I yeah. again, I could only speak from my experience that uh, before we even talked numbers or contracts or agreements, the biggest thing that we wanted to make sure was protecting the environment. And so what at the time, at the time I was selected, we made sure that our fisheries and stewardship was working together, making sure that these issues and concerns were going to be addressed. And right. they did so inextensively. And, and, I, and I was actually proud to say that um, we negotiated extensively with the province in Canada on the first ever environmental bargaining agreement at the time. It was the first of its history. So I, I believe that the, the industry and the First Nations that they've engaged along with their negotiators, that was the first thing that was on their yeah. agendas to making sure the environment was going to be protected while we grow the economy. Okay, I'm speaking to Chris Sankey. He's a former band counselor with the Laxqualam First Nation. Let me bring another voice in here now. Candace George is on the line. She's a member of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. I'm very pleased to welcome her. Hiya, Candace. Hi. Candace, thanks so for doing this. I actually, I'm, I'm a member of Stilatin First Nation. Oh, okay. The community, I'm registered with Stilatin, but I am Wet'suwet'en. I have Wet'suwet'en ancestry on both my mom and my dad's side. Okay, do you support this family. pipeline? Do I support the pipeline? Yeah. I I support doing what's right for our people. Mm-hmm. I support um, protecting our territories and doing what's right to protect our land and territories. I support... Um, just doing things the right way and working together to better all all of our people. And do you think that that natural gas pipeline can be achieved while achieving all of that? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I believe so, yes. I was a part of, um, two years ago, I was a part of a youth and elders program, and it was called ITALK. And through that program, I had seen firsthand, and you know, being an Indigenous woman and a and a Wet'suwet'en, even though I'm registered with Stilatin community, um, I wanted to be able to have my voice and see the actual root and and work with work with um, environmentalists and discuss, you know, what what plants are important and and why it's important. So I had that opportunity when I was um, with the ITALK program, and it was the Youth and Elder program. What do you think about the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en and and blocking uh, the construction of the pipeline and their opposition to it? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, my goodness. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, What's your main thought on it? My main thought yeah. is that we are a matriarchal society, mm-hmm. and I know that being Wet'suwet'en, I know our Wet'suwet'en laws, and I know our Bachelet system, and we are a matriarchal society. That's what I know, and I respect and honor all matriarchs. Okay, it's all... 
It's all it's all right. men though. It's all male uh, hereditary chiefs are opposed to the pipeline though, right? They have they have female supporters, but mm. the male chiefs are the um, ones who the male chiefs hold the names of the territories and they oversee those territories. But okay. yes, um, they are mostly male, and okay. we are a matriarchal society. And I know that things have changed. My guests, Chris Sankey and Candace George, they are two indigenous leaders who support the pipeline. Chris, let me go back to you. When we talked before, I, I remember you saying quite memorably, memorably to me that when these companies come into the traditional territories of indigenous people, that you just don't want them to, you know, you don't give them a blank slate and just say, you come in and do whatever you want. You got to negotiate with them, right, to protect your own interests. Would you say? Well, absolutely. I mean, we don't let no community, for that matter, or any nation, should allow it, that to happen at all. I think they have to have an understanding that if you're coming into the territory of the respected communities you're going to negotiate with, you need to respect the the traditional values and who we are as Indigenous people to the land and. Uh, I know in my experience that the first thing they wanted to do was to make sure that that was heard and that it was respected. Um, there was some bumps and bruises along the way. Um, initially, when they first started out with negotiating with our community, but uh, as we took a stronger position on the environment, uh, the more things changed. And uh, a lot of the times, a lot of these companies that come into their respective territories they're not aware of the political uh, minefield that they're entering. They're not aware of our own traditional laws. And especially when you're getting uh, companies that are coming in from overseas, they're not aware of even the Canadian law for that most part. And I would even go as far as saying that some of the, the companies that have come in had just got bad advice when they were approaching our communities. But that all changed um, over time. And look, it's not, it's not saying it was perfect. But they ended up respecting what we wanted to do. And, you know, people were either for or against. Um, in our case, when we did our, our vote, the very first time, it was 100% no. And then the next time uh, we kind of put the information out there pertaining to the impacts of the environment and what it meant. And at the time, of course, Flora Bank was a contentious issue because it was at the mouth of the Skeena. And I mean, of course, everybody had their concerns and opinions on the matter, but we were able to right. find a way forward and to demonstrate we could work together and some good things could happen in the let's best interest a, of the community. Let's take a phone call on the open line. Greta in Burnaby. Hi, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Thanks. Uh, great to hear from you, uh, Chris and Candace. Um, Candace just said that uh, some of the matriarchs support the pipeline, um, but she didn't really say why. Um, and why are we really not hearing uh, that side of it? It seems unfair that there's folks supporting it, but that's not coming through. Okay, do we have Candace back in the line, guys? No, okay. We, we actually just lost her, her line connection there, so we're trying to get her back on the line. But Chris, I mean, you know, back to you for a second. I mean, obviously there are divisions uh, among Indigenous people and First Nations themselves about these projects. What's it like for you uh, as a guy who's willing to go public and say, look, I, I support these projects. I think we should I think we should do them. I think they're good for our community. Do you get any pushback from people in the community saying, like, what are you doing? You know, maybe you should you should not support these companies or these projects? Uh, yeah, look, uh, when you're in these roles of uh, your elected body, you always got to walk the line. And 
uh, I found when I was in that role, I always had to be extremely careful on how I made, you know, how I came out publicly in support of these projects. And I felt that was a little bit unfair. If I really believed that uh, uh, these projects could make a significant impact for the better for our communities, I should have been able to take a stronger role. And then more and more, as I started to understand what the impacts were going to be to our community, the more and more I started to realize that this was the way to go. But of course, taking care of the environment while we grow the economy. But I, I found, though, when I um, took a more of a position of in favor of this, there was so there was a lot of very personal attacks uh, to me online on social media and. Uh, I even got as far as, uh, actually, quite frankly, I got as far as, it got as far as death threats, uh, fake wow. email accounts, fake Facebook accounts, uh, wow. calling me a sellout. They were calling me every sort's name. And where I, I had had enough is um, these individuals that are wanting to oppose everything uh, were attacking my family and kids. And they're making awful remarks on social media that that's completely didn't reflect who I am. Uh, I'll be the first to fight for Indigenous communities and and be there. And it it takes a toll on you. And I don't think the general public realizes how difficult it is to be in a role of an elected body to represent your community because you're not just representing just anybody. You're representing your friends, your family. These are people you've known all your life. And then so when you have community settings and meetings, uh, people tend to get personal. um, And it just took a toll. So I I, I bet it, 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 it. I bet it does. I, I bet it is is tough for someone in your position to speak up in favor of these projects when the community is divided. Uh, Chris, let me go back to you. We just got a minute left here, sadly. Uh, why do you think these projects are important? Like you mentioned to me in an earlier discussion that we had that you're a guy who grew, grew up in a, in a poor community, right? I mean, you grew up in poverty, right? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the community was poor, but I did. Unfortunately, um, my parents did the best they could with the resources they had at the time. Um, and, you know, I was one of those kids that uh, was had to work extremely hard to, to make a go of it. And so I just kind of learned that from my parents. Um, they both were shore workers at the time. One worked in the uh, log industry for a bit. And, of course, as you know, and as everybody knows, it's taken a hit. So for me, it was the ability to be able to transform not, not just your community or the province okay. or the country, but to transform your family life and be able to provide for your kids. And when your kids okay. see you working, it's a huge positive impact. Chris, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, too. Chris Sankey, former band counselor with Alaxqualam First Nation. We also heard from Candace George there. Uh, she also supports uh, the, the, uh, the Coastal Gasoline Pipeline.